Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, every day of the Davis Cup finals so far has felt quite dramatic, but I think today has probably won (laughs) because uh, both ties, I mean, first time we've had two ties in a day, both of them have been incredibly dramatic. And unfortunately, we we don't have a full complement of podcasters for you to discuss them. We have Catherine and we have myself, David, and Matt would love to be here. But halfway through the uh, the second rubber of the day between Italy and United States, he started to feel unwell. And let me tell you from personal experience, when Catherine Whitaker tells you to leave work and go go to bed, yeah, you want to do it. Mm. The irony of David telling Matt to uh, to go home. I actually, I was the first one off the look, spot. Look after yourself, Matt. Sleep is so yeah, important. I was, I, was, I was the first one to Honestly. say it. It's just that it was only when Catherine said it that it seemed to have any effect because uh, <laughs> he knows not to mess. Uh, but uh, anyway, mm. look, he's just under the weather. Hopefully he will be feeling great tomorrow. Uh, the, the thing with Matt is usually he responds to every single WhatsApp message in about four seconds max. Uh, And the fact that we haven't heard from him for about the last four hours uh, means that Catherine and I are hoping that means he's fast asleep and therefore recovering at a rate of uh, knots. Yes. Proud of you, Matt. (laughs) Yes. Get well soon, Matt. You are much missed. Um, And I think we should take today in chronological order because... And it, it, it'll take some remembering because it's 13 hours since the USA against Italy actually started. I mean, in fact, 14 hours because we're we're an hour behind, aren't we? They started at 10. 9 a.m. UK time, David. And you were up for that, weren't you? T- nope. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly. It's too early. Too early. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, we finished last night uh, in the early hours. So, um, yeah, I, I was up to take my kids to school. And uh, and so I did see the opening balls of the match. And honestly, I feared the worst, Catherine, when I saw that schedule. You know, the amount of times we've seen matches, even, even at 11 o'clock or 12 in places that are empty 
and cavernous mm. and echoey and dispiriting. And this place was packed at 10 a.m. local time in Malaga. I mean, I don't exactly know how how they achieved that. I mean, I did hear that uh, from the commentators that they they'd bust in 50 schools worth of kids into the arena, which holds, I think, seven or 8,000, something like that. Um, and there, were, there was a, a heck of an Italian contingent in there making their voices heard. It was a brilliant atmosphere for a non-home team um, at 10 in the morning. I was not expecting that at all I really exactly as you said I feared the worst with that scheduling I thought well if I can't be bothered to get out of bed <laughs> and it's in my living room <laughs> I'm not sure he's going to bother in Malaga um I it was it was so fantastic and such a pleasant surprise and you know if they did if if it was a I've absolutely no idea but look if it was a case of you know organizers looking down the ticket sales and going, crikey, we're going to be empty for this Thursday morning uh, USA-Italy tie. What are we going to do? Let's invite a load of schools down. Great. Cracking. That is absolutely what you should do in that situation. Um, and kids bring the vibes. Yeah. Um, I recently went to a, um, a, a late morning London Film Festival screening of uh, the new Matilda adaptation, and it was mostly children. And my heart sunk a little bit when I was sort of queuing to get into the auditorium um, at London South Bank Centre with a bunch of sort of 11-year-olds. I was thinking, oh, my God, all I'm going to hear is, you know, I got all grumpy, David. You'll be surprised to hear I got grumpy. But actually, it was one of the most wonderful, joyful experiences I've ever had. Oh. It, was, it was something very pure about it. Um and very in the moment it was it was wonderful and there were some of those vibes in Malaga today and it was all the more special that it was such a surprise mm. I think yeah it, it was and look they weren't just locals because that was a passionate crowd from Italy and I you know it's it's closer than some of the countries would have to go of course it is but but even so it felt like an Italy home tie to some degree um, and there was some some noise as well for the United States, but it was just it was just a great. And the beauty of it was that you started with a match between. I think if you handpicked two players to perform in front of a full house in the Davis Cup, currently I don't think you could get better than Lorenzo Sonigo and Francis Tiafo. They are just they are showmen. They are people that live for the moment. They are. They were feeding off each other almost. I think that they were getting a kick out of almost performing in front of one another and seeing who could come up with the most absurd shots and celebrate it the the more the most in the most wild manner. Um, and the results of that particular rubber. I mean, obviously, in the end, Italy went on to win this whole thing two one. So they're through. We'll get on to the, the, the controversy that, that accompanied all that again, um, the double situation afterwards. But, I mean, that was a shock result. Sonigo's had a terrible year, really, and Tiafo's had a great year, and it was 6-3-7-6. Yeah, and I, as already confessed, I did miss the very early stages of this match because it started too early. Um, 
Not because I overslept, but because the tennis started too early. Um, but I, I didn't think Tiafe played too badly. And I, 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 you know, if I'd seen the result on paper and not caught any of the match, I thought, oh, maybe, maybe Tiafe, you know, season ended a couple of weeks ago, didn't it? He, he's been on holiday, I think. Maybe he's a bit sluggish or not quite on it. I thought second set particularly, I thought he, he looked really good, looked pretty sharp, hitting the ball well. In the, you know, lapses here and there but that's that is still kind of what you get with Francis Tiafo I thought the the way that he was hitting the ball and moving I thought was pretty Im- impressive and he was thriving in the atmosphere the problem was down the other end Lorenzo Sonigo was thriving even more <laughs> I mean he's he's a guy that's probably thinking why couldn't every match in my year be a a Davis Cup match um I don't understand him as a tennis player, Lorenzo Sonigo. I remember watching his breakthrough. Uh, it was Rome last year, wasn't it, where he really brought himself to our attention and we all realised he looked just like the original karate kid and <laughs> that was all very exciting. And then he's pretty much disappeared from the radar since then in terms of relevance at the top of the game. But the game is this easy on the eye, his game, isn't it? It's very very good to watch particularly when he's electrified like he was today unfortunately the very latter stages of this so I missed the early stages due to sleep and the very latter stages were completely ruined by my not realizing I was watching the stream on quite a substantial delay so my screen has Francis Giaffo was set point in the second set all drama it's all hanging in the balance looks like it's going to a third and then a and then a tweet lands on my phone saying, Italy win the first rubber. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I did wonder why the balloon was you popped. commented on the news that one of the tennis balls had broken by the power of the hitting when I'd seen that 30 minutes earlier. And and I was thinking... There were a lot of times when people were texting, oh, what a rally, and I thought... It was all right. <laughs> calm down, lads. Yeah. And and I was thinking, crikey, another ball. What's wrong with these balls? Uh, turns out it was the same ball, different time. <laughs> anyway, um, so we had that as, a, as an upset win for Lorenzo Sonigo. That was it then equalised by Taylor Fritz beating another Lorenzo, Massetti, 7-6, including a 10-8 tie break 6-3 I thought Taylor Fritz was put in a very mature performance and, and did well to withstand an opponent who is who is an electrifying player in himself and I don't get Lorenzo Massetti really Catherine because he's he burst on the scene two or three years ago didn't he and and caught our attention and it was all upward trajectory and and he's we've had we've had them the, the the issues he's the misfires where he's he's pulled out at two sets all after being two sets up against Djokovic for the fans and all that and he's he's lost lots of matches and we've we've talked about this guy doesn't have the fangs to put people away and and yet I watched him today and I think some of some of the shot making and the 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 visual of his shot making is as exciting a tennis player as I can imagine in the game today, in the absence of Federer, I can't think of a more exciting player to watch, really, 
with a one-handed backhand and an all-court game as a sort of 21-year-old. You know, I know there are people like Dominic Team and all these sort of people, but this guy... Yeah, Carlos Alcaraz says hi, Yeah, David. I know, but they're different. They're different. This guy's got the classical backhand. Yeah, it, it's... He, he's got to yeah. come good, Catherine. He has to because he... he Mm, it feels I have like my doubts, you know. The sport needs him to come good and join the party. I know, I know. I'm into it as well. I'd love it to. I watched, I watched him play Djokovic in Paris, and it was just a spectacularly disappointing performance. You know, losing to Djokovic is fine. It was, it was the manner of it. You know, it was, it was limp. Um, and you know. Compare and contrast to Holger Rune in the final, who again, not so much about the result, it's about the way he walked onto that court, the way he dealt with going a set down to Novak Djokovic. It's just completely different mentalities and personality types. And <sighs> can you learn to grow fangs? I don't know. Don't know. I I have doubts. Taylor Fritz was the biggest part of the reason why I picked the USA to win the Davis Cup, which now looks spectacularly naive and stupid. Um, but his maturity, I thought he would be a really significant talisman of this team. I thought it would be a real marker of how far he's come maturity-wise. And I suppose that still stands up as a as a piece of reasoning because I really did think that he did that today. He did his job very professionally and very maturely. It must have been a, a strange thing emotionally to bounce back from that semi-final in Turin and for that for there to be an extra leg of the season on top of that. It's been a long old time in Europe for him away from home. He didn't go home in between Paris and Turin. Um yeah, I, I, you know, a couple of years ago, I think that match would have been very different for Taylor Fritz potentially, no matter who the opponent was. Um, and I, I, I think still positive takeaways for him as an individual, if not for the United States as a team. Yeah, I agreed. But then it came down to the doubles, and we'd had endless conversation about the omission of Rajiv Ram from this team, a four-man team selected by Marty Fish. Um, his explanation to Matt in, in last night's show, um, in which he just said he he felt this combination was going to be better without Rajiv Ram there. And when the, the, the absolutely baffling thing still remains that he only had four players and he could have had a fifth and Rajiv Ram desperately wanted to play so and be there. So it still is a mystery to me that. And... Even more of a mystery, given that Jack Sock and Tommy Paul were beaten 6-4, 6-4 by Fabio Fanini and Simone Bellelli, who were excellent, who were very sweet at the end as well. They, they had their arms around each other and Bellelli was referring to, or Fanini was referring to Bellelli as my brother. And uh, it, was, it was lovely, actually. And, and Felipe Valandri, the captain, was just, just bouncing off the walls with excitement. And um, But... That is a really, really bad loss for Sock and Paul. Not that their opponents aren't good, but I mean they would know they weren't close. They weren't even close. Sock is is talked about as one of the best doubles players in the world. It's something that we roll off the tongue, really. 
but he didn't look like that today. He was nowhere near. He looked like a player who, who just wasn't really prepared, to be quite honest. And um, and Rajiv Ram, well, well, what's my immediate thought was, well, what's going through his mind? And within about four minutes, he tweeted, how's everyone's Thanksgiving going? I love that he tweeted that. Yeah. I really loved that tweet, David. Joe Salisbury, his... Uh, it was just the right amount of sass. It was. Joe Salisbury, his his partner, who he won the ATP finals with oh, the, last this, week. This was good as well. It was all really great, sweet spot aggro. Then posted on Instagram, if only USA had some better, somebody better for doubles. Oh, wait. <laughs> which, mm. which is quite a quite a thing to 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 post. It's, I love that he's done that. I love that he's backing up his partner. Yeah, his partner who is apparently reading between the lines hasn't been picked for sort of team chemistry reasons. And okay, chemistry is entirely about the individuals involved. It can't be transferred between people. But Joe Salisbury, who you know has the ultimate experience of great chemistry with Rajiv Ram, I. I love that he's backed him up mm. like that. And it's not a call that is that is aged well no. at all. Well, Marty Fish came into a press conference. Unfortunately, we didn't have Matt, a fit Matt, to send in there to go and ask the questions. But uh, fortunately, he was asked questions. And uh, Stephanie Mars, the Canadian journalist, tweeted some of the quotes that came out of that press conference, many of them very similar to what, what he said to Matt yesterday about his reason for picking him, that he has no regrets, that, that um, all, all the sort of things he said yesterday. But his final line really is worth stating here, which is that if Rajiv was here or not, those guys, meaning Italy, were going to win today. They played well and they're too good. Now, that may well be, but Rajiv Ram didn't get the chance to (laughs) to have a say in that, did he? I did find that line extraordinary. Um. Because I mean, it's just a it's a total logic fail, isn't it? There's there's a reason why we play tennis matches. Anything can happen in sport, and you know, some Bellelli and Fanini, yes, they were on fire today, but that was all circumstantial. You know, create a different recipe, and maybe they wouldn't have been on fire. Who knows? That's an absurd hypothetical. It's the sort of thing think. And, you do say, isn't it, to to justify your own selection, to back up your mm. own team that you have picked, and to give credit to your opponents. But in this particular instance, I think it is actually, and I, I don't think Marty Fish means to do this, but I think he's disrespecting Rajiv Ram again mm. in that quote. I agree. I agree. I totally think that's not his intention. I think he's just trying to deflect a little bit. Maybe it's a throwaway line. I don't know. I've only seen the quotes written down, but I think it is disrespectful to Rajiv Ram. And I think this whole episode has been disrespectful to Rajiv Ram. I mean, as I said in the preview show, they've, they've said, we'd rather have nobody than have you. Yeah. That's... It's not great, is it? It's not great. It hasn't it's aged well either. Um, no. So the, the, there's there's some work that needs to be done in that US team room. And, and I and I, th- I think okay, if it's about Jack Sock and who he plays best with slash who he wants to play with, 
look, Jack Sock is a is a very good doubles player. He's won Grand Slams in doubles. Not that you know, good, though, is he? Being a very good singles player, but he's not that good that you can call the shots to that extent. Whether it's him directly calling the shots or indirectly, kind of, you know, Marty Fish basing the team around him. He's not, you know. Cristiano Ronaldo 10 years ago in the Portugal team. Well, it's, you know it's, what I mean? It's not John McEnroe it's, it's, or anybody the way it used to be. No, it is not. That team. is not the situation with Jack Sork. And he's, he's not played since the Labour Cup um, it, it, in doubles. You know, before that, his, you know, <laughs> I'm looking through his results here and it's not sort of, oh my God, this guy's first name on the team sheet type stuff. Now, okay experience um, and pedigree counts as well as form, but it's okay. Things can happen in sport and, and hindsight is a wonderful thing, but this was a questionable call before the hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would agree. Um, do, Do you know, my view on this is somewhat diluted by the way Canada ended up turning around their tie to win, which we'll come on to a little bit later, because I was going to aim the same accusation as I'm going to aim at the United States team here, which is they seemed to me too confident, those those four players and the team generally. Um I think that they thought they were going to win. Not not that they were I'm not saying that they were underestimating their opponents, but I think they were overestimating themselves. I I mm. think that they the 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 body language I saw was of a team that was was really taken by surprise by the fact that that it wasn't happening for them. I think that they assumed they were going to win. Um and uh yeah, I think that they got a a pretty big shock to the system there. Mm. Um, it never felt close that doubles match. I think the score was actually, if anything, a bit flattering. Four and four. Yeah, didn't didn't feel close to me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. And as I say, 
We move on to the Canada against Germany tie, which Canada have won. And I did not see that victory coming after it went to the doubles. Now, if we just rewind a little bit, Janadard Struff, who who Matt had marked our cards about, and his rivalry against Denis Shapovalov, which this was actually their ninth meeting. And uh, Struff came into it leading 5-3, and he won this one as well, 6-3, 4-6, 7-6. Now, Shapovalov hasn't been playing tennis lately. He's been on holiday. It's one of those really weird situations where he's ended his season, he's gone to the Maldives, compulsory, but then he hasn't stayed there and then gone off to his training block ahead of Australia. He's then come back onto the competitive course and played Davis Cup. Now, I can't be sure of this, but it felt to me like you're looking at a really rusty player here when he came out against Struff. And by the time sets two and three, as we'll get onto in the doubles came around, he'd found his he'd suddenly found his range and he was he was playing lights out tennis. But he was erratic against Struff. And Struff is that methodical forward uh plodding tennis player who just comes thundering into the net time after time and hitting big shots is that agricultural the word you're kind of yeah Davis? actually if there was if there was another there's one other person who can join Stan Vavrinka on the farm it's uh <laughs> Janard Struff I think and uh and there he was just swiping away and Shapovalov mm. lost that match and Felix Ogier-Aliassime did his job. He 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 performed like Taylor Fritz did. Really, he he was up against Oscar Otter seven six six four. Those two players, Fritz and Ogier-Aliassime, have made big strides in terms of not losing matches on the tour very often these days that they shouldn't lose. And and here they were delivering for their team to get them back level at one one all. But they were up against in the doubles in Kevin Kravitz and uh, Tim Puetz, a team that had never lost in the Davis Cup doubles, either one of them. even Eight in a row, I think they'd won together. 11-0 um, and zero for Kravitz, 12-0 and zero for Puetz. They won the first set 6-2 against Shapovalov, who still looked terribly out of form, and Vasek Pospisil, who I don't think had played a lot recently either. 6-2, and it was the most uneventful set of the week. It was the most straightforward, boring, one-sided set of the week. And if you had told me that there's going to be a comeback here, I would mm. have laughed at you. Maybe it was the ease with which that set was won that sparked the comeback that was to follow because Denis Shapovalov hit patch of form so sublime dare I say David Marin Cilic-esque <laughs> it was I mean feed it into my veins it was absolutely mind-blowing and maybe he just got so loose maybe that's what happened because he is that kind of player isn't he, he looks like he needs to be loose the looser the better mm. those limbs going all over the place, those limbs diverging in completely opposite directions to produce his shots. It almost looks like he needs to be double-jointed in order for them to have their full effect. So maybe, you know, had it been a really tight first set and it it would have been different, but the fact that it was so one-sided and almost becoming awkward... um. Maybe that freed him up. I mean, Pospisil was good for the second and third set, but Shapovalov 
I mean, that was the Shapovalov that got me so excited mm. back five or six years ago when I first saw him. He just set me on fire. I think, um, I think it was fearsome stuff. I think as well it was an example of why a lot of people say a really good singles player will will be a difference maker on the doubles court because I don't think a doubles player could have done what he did today. Yeah, he did just hit through them, didn't he? He wasn't doing it necessarily with doubles play, wasn't it? It was mostly from the back of the court, yeah. just hitting through them, just teeing off and hitting through them. And Puets and Kravitz looked shell-shocked. They didn't have chance to recover themselves. It was just suddenly all over. Mm. They, they and they really looked... They looked a bit dazed. Yeah, actually. I agree. It was it was like a, a boxer who's outboxed the opponent yeah. for eight rounds and then suddenly gets chinned, and they're like, "Whoa, yeah. where did that come from?" Um, I mean, I was I was listening to it's quite interesting at the end of the the singles, the Algeria seam singles. Colin Fleming in commentary said, um, "Surely they're going to put this guy on the court in the doubles, given the way the tie has gone so far and how he's just played." And he's he was hyped up and pumped up and I really thought yeah I think I think that's right I you know you'd given the doubles team they're up against you would pick Ojeda Seam would you not in this situation and and sure enough doesn't play any doubles though does no. he Felix um and then Shapovalov Shap- does play a lot Shapovalov and Pospisil came out I mean I even wondered whether they'd put those two together to be quite honest and have the two singles players up against the mm. doubles team and uh, and after the first set again you know, Colin's saying, why is Oji Aliassim, world number six, one of the hottest players in the world right now, not on the court? And and the evidence was overwhelming that this was a bad call from Frank Dancevich, the um, the Canadian captain. And, um, well, I mean, I, I think I think Oji Aliassim may well have, have, have helped the comeback as well. But this was... Those two, I mean, a, a leadership role, I think, for for Pospisil. He made a couple of big returns that that sparked them, and then it was the Shapovalov show, um, and it was just, it was absolutely fantastic. And and it, I I was feeling after that first set a little bit like I felt about the American team that I f- thought they were a bit overconfident, mm. really. Given, I think it'd be very easy to say Canada are the favourites for the for this Davis Cup, given that they've got those two world-class players playing singles. Um, and yet they'd lost one of their matches and they looked like they were gone up against a really good, organised Davis Cup team that has got a proper doubles team and everything like that. So I think massive credit needs to go to all that Canadian team, really, because they, they generated an an electricity amongst them and if you saw them at the end how it was together good vibes on that bench yeah. wasn't it and and mm, you know it was it was lovely it, it actually made me think now i really believe they they probably will win it because that was that was the sort of celebration and combination that, that i think this event means the world to them now yeah i think you could be it could very well be right there actually and the the chemistry with Dancevich was was very powerful wasn't it he was I mean he, he was almost intruding on the court at points <laughs> he was leaping up from his chair when like Shapovalov hit that streak in the doubles <laughs> yeah I was thinking are you gonna get a touchline ban here <laughs> you're outside your technical <laughs> um, area yeah it was um 
Uh, but, it, but it was the sort of tennis that makes you leap from your seat. I mean, he just took over that match. And you don't really see, you're right, you don't see that with doubles players so much. Just one person dominating a court like that. Mm. It was like the others weren't there for a little while. It was really startling. Yeah. Incredible. Well, that means now that Italy plays against Canada on Saturday um, in the second of the semifinals, uh, we go back to one tie per day, which is a bit of a relief. <laughs> as, as I mean, it's been an absolute tennis fest today, but I have basically sat here for 13 hours <laughs> watching everything. Uh, I mean, I've very much enjoyed it, but it has rather played havoc with the rest of my life. But there we are. Um it means tomorrow we have Australia against Canada against Croatia, Catherine. Now the, the the bad news is that both of our picks for the Davis Cup have gone. Mm. The good news is we no longer have to do that thing of well I've picked them, so now I have to, you know, <laughs> we can now give an honest view on tomorrow's tie between Australia which that feels like a heck of a long time ago that Australia won through to this uh, this semi-final. And uh, Croatia, what do you think? I think Croatia, David. I was thinking about this a lot earlier. I was thinking, I was pondering on whether I trust Marin Cilic. That was, that was my philosophical internal debate. And I've decided that I do. Ooh. Um, Yes. To, to beat but, Alex Dimonor. With, with reservations. Who is the number one? That's a tough ask, isn't it? Yeah, 51-49. But, yeah, I think maybe I'd, I, I do after what I saw yesterday. Um, yeah, and I certainly backed Borna Chorich. Incidentally, Borna Chorich um, posted a, a video today on his various social platforms, a little edit of himself celebrating um, from the, the Croatia team bench and I did not recognise him. Have you ever seen Borna Choric with hair longer than sort of buzz cut length? No. He's got hair. He's been wearing a cap, now, hasn't David. he? So we haven't really, yeah. haven't really clocked it, that. He is unrecognisable, <laughs> honestly. Okay. I really had to do a double take. I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> Why is he trying to make it all about him? I was like, oh, he is the guy. It is all about him. Oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think Croatia could come down to the doubles. Yeah. And of course, we haven't seen Purcell and Ebden, have we? So I would like to see that match, really. Yeah, I, w- I would too. So it's, it feels cruel to say I would still back Croatia in the doubles when I've, you know, not even clapped eyes on Max Purcell and Matt Ebden for six months. Um, but I, I think I do give Croatia the edge. That was the Wimbledon final, wasn't it? That we saw those two teams. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I do hope we get that. Um, but I, I share Matt's view that Chorich goes in as a pretty big favourite against either mm. Kokonakis or Thompson. Whoever. I wonder. I wonder who yes. Leighton Hewitt will pick for that. Do you think maybe you'll? I mean. Surely Kokonakis is the more explosive player and therefore maybe has a better chance game-wise. I think so, yeah. I think he reads a lot into practice, doesn't he, Hewitt? I think a lot will be based on what he's seen from Kokonakis over the last couple of days. There's obviously something that he's wanted to see from him that he hadn't at the time of his last tie. So I think he will 
need to have something will have need to have changed in the past couple of days for him to pick Kokonakis. And I did think he looked a, a little bit off the boil in in Turin. Um, obviously, that was doubles. That was on a court with Nick Kyrgios. There was all sorts going on there. Um, but I would understand if he ended up going with with Jordan Thompson, even though on paper Kyrgios, um Kokonakis is your pick. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting choice, that. Um, and we'll look forward to it. It's going to take place tomorrow at four o'clock local time. So at a very reasonable hour. Yes. You you can mm. have, you could have a lie-in, Catherine. You could have a nap mm. and you'd still be able to to make the start time at 3 p.m. our time. It is, it is going to clash with the England football, but uh, I'm... I'm an expert multi-screener. Yes. Well, so what are you thinking we'll, for We'll that? make it work. England, USA. You confident? I'm thinking England, David. Okay. Yes, I'm feeling quite it's confident. coming home. <laughs> okay. Um, fine. Well, so, yeah, 3 o'clock UK time tomorrow, 4 o'clock Central European time, um, middle of the night for the Aussies. Uh, but anyway, I'm sure you'll be up uh, to support your team. So it'll be very interesting to see how that one goes. We'll have another tennis podcast tomorrow night to tell you all about it and react to it. And hopefully we'll have Matt back. But the most important thing is we want Matt to be feeling a lot better than he was today. And to Wish that end, well, Matt. we are going to send him a picture of our mascot for this episode, Murphy. Murphy, Catherine, has the most wonderful eyes that just stare I'm at I'm looking at him. Oh. And Murphy... He's got the eyes and he's got the head tilt absolutely nailed. Yes, absolutely. I can tell you, uh, I was going to ask you what sort of breed you think it is, um, but I actually know. Have you any, any ideas from a visual perspective? I... I think there's Doodle in there. You are right. Yeah? Uh, Murphy is an a six-year-old Australian Labrador. Oh. Nominated by Beth Elliott, and Beth says that Murphy is owned by uh, her good friend Kerry from Troon. Uh, oh. Murphy has dog epilepsy, which causes repeated seizures, but is full of love, energy, oh, and mischief. Bless him. Uh, oh. He loves cuddles and chasing balls on the beach and hates being in cars and strangers delivering things to the house. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> That seems yes, to be a theme. That's, that's all very familiar. Yes. I've Billie Jean used to hate cars, and I've really won that battle with her. So that uh, Murphy's a bit older than Billie Jean, but you know, there's still hope. I would say, mm. strangers delivering things to the house is a lost cause for me, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, we, we've interrupted mm. many a podcast for somebody mm. ringing the doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> and the accompanying uh, Ferrari. Um, anyway, we, uh, we're we delighted to have Murphy as our mascot for this episode. We will be open for mascot business on December the 8th for our 2023 mascot. So make sure you note that down. We've got our own mascots as well for just a few more weeks of 2022. And they've been so great, uh, including Darwin for me, Carter for Catherine, um, the dearly departed Gerald for Matt. We have Billie Jean the dog, sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Klo Alana Kloss. We have uh, Chris Albert Lee and Carl Weingartner as our executive producers and top blokes. And we have some shout-outs 
that I'm going to have to read out today. So let's see how badly I can make this work. Uh, and apologies uh, that you don't get Matt, but we'll do our very best. We'll do our very best for Tony Corbett. Tony with an I uh, is from Newcastle in Australia and has been a listener since 2013 and is a big fan. And I think Tony's been in touch with me a few times. I think she actually has worked in tennis in the past. Um, but uh, anyway... Very, very happy to have you on board, Tony. Hello, Tony. Um, tennis Tonys. Can't think of any. Corbett, Corbett, all I've got is John Corbett um, from Sex and the City. All I've That's got is, great, is Ronnie it? Corbett from the two Ronnies. <laughs> yep. Not very helpful from a tennis perspective. So, Tony, you're especially a one-off. If Tony, especially if Tony's in Australia, she might not know any of these no. references. Look them up. <laughs> Uh, John Corbett was um, um, Aiden on Sex and the City. Right. I don't know why I've said that. Obviously, you don't know what I'm talking about. No, uh, no, no clue. Tone, tone, tennis, Tony. We'll we'll think about. Well, it. Well, we've we can do a male Tony, Tony Trabert. Tony Roach. Tony Roach. Yeah. Okay. Does does it really count though? If it's the wrong spelling. No. No. Yeah, well, I'll go Tony Braxton of Unbreak My Heart oh, fame. I do remember that song. That's with an I. From the 90s. Mm. Goodness. <laughs> what a strange turn this has taken. Uh, that was only our first shout-out. Our second one is for Andrew Greenoff, who lives in Bristol in the UK, an exiled Yorkshireman, he says. Oh. Uh, yeah. Andrew. Remember when Andrew Murray was a name we used to say out loud. Andrew Baron Murray. Yes. Oh. Mm, and Daniel Evans. Which is actually quite and a... Stanis, and Stanislas Varenka. <laughs> That's right. And it's actually quite a, quite a fitting um, parallel to draw because Andrew tells us that his first visit to the US Open was, um, I think like you, Catherine, in 2004... Um, and he says, uh, yes. and he says, uh, he remembers that, does Andrew? He says, I saw a promising Scottish lad called Andrew Murray win the <laughs> win the boys singles on court ten in a feisty match against Sergei Stakovsky. Wonder what happened to him. That is excellent, Andrew. Yeah, very good work, Andrew. And thank excellent you for being a friend. Excellent additional info. Indeed, thank you. We've got more additional info for the other three as well, Catherine. Uh, we've got. Uh, Mark Savitsky, who is from Sydney in Australia, and Mark says he's been listening since the 2017 French Open and couldn't imagine following tennis without us. Oh, Aww. how nice is that? He says, I don't get to watch too much tennis with two small kids in the time zone, but the tennis podcast makes me feel like I'm keeping track of the tour week to week. Thank you. Well, thank you, Mark. Like Mark Philippoussis. Thank you, Mark. Um, and Mark Edmondson. Two Aussie marks. That's a good one. What? Which he had, he was the last Australian man to win the Australian Open, wasn't he? In the seventies. Yes. And we did it. I remember we did a show about him a couple of years ago, or we did a show in which he he came up, a sort of uh, whatever happened to type show. I enjoyed that. Ah. Yes. So thank you, Mark. Uh, we also have Zach and Eileen from the Gold Coast in Australia who 
Oh, come on, Eileen. Never heard that before, have you? <laughs> this is, I'm afraid this is just oh. one big love in for the tennis podcast because uh, uh, Eileen says, we love, love, love the, the podcast. Zach is 13 years of age, plays tennis, oh. uh, and enjoys listening to the analysis that you do if, uh, of the matches, and also a big fan of Matt's stat inside the newsletter. So make sure you sign up to the newsletter, folks. Uh, we listen to your podcast on the way to and from tournaments. Uh, Eileen says, <laughs> Eileen says she loves Catherine's voice and how you are so eloquently articulate. We can't wait to see you at the Australian Aww. Open. How nice! Oh, we like you, Eileen yeah. and Zach. Absolutely, lovely stuff. Oh, marvelous! We're all we're all overcome with. Uh, with warmth and loveliness. The name Zach always makes me think of Saved by the Bell still. Yeah. And it's very sad to think that 13-year-old Zach will have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about <laughs> there. Uh, correct. Uh, well, thank you, Zach and Eileen. And finally, we have Bob Murray from Andy Murray fame, um, who is from New Jersey in the United States. And Bob says, I'm an avid tennis player and have an amazing wife, Amanda, and three young boys, Bobby seven, Connor five, and Luke four. And he says that he said hello to me at the US Open final day of qualifying this year while I was at a table in the food area. And I do remember that. So thank you, Bob. Uh, it's lovely to to say hello. Uh, he says, "I listen to you so often. My boys regularly ask me to turn off the tennis people." <laughs> <laughs> you can't turn us off, kids. Sorry, we're we're well done for being from New Jersey. Are you a Bruce fan? Is what I'd like to know. I don't think anybody from New Jersey isn't. Amanda Anisimova, David. Well, I'm sure she is a fan now. Now that she knows who he is, I'm I'm not. <laughs> Uh, very funny all right Catherine well we've got through it all 44 minutes of of a conversation without Matt that we weren't expecting so quite proud it's like the bad old days <laughs> yeah um, and let's just hope he's back with us tomorrow and we'll certainly be back with lots to talk about from the first of the Davis Cup semi-finals between Australia and Croatia. Thank you for listening. Um, do tell your friends if you've enjoyed this show. Uh, get them listening as well. Become a friend of the Tennis Podcast if you're not already because that's how we keep this show on the road and there are so many that you are friends of ours and now and we appreciate your support enormously. Um, never ceases to amaze us just how how kind people are uh, who listen to this show and we really appreciate it so we're going to be back tomorrow with another one we'll see you then roundabout season two presented by nissan is live now and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way we're talking rest stops if we're stopping to get gas you will be timed misguided plans i grew up in the city so i have like you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 